Welcome back, everybody, to Pair of Kings podcast. Uh, I hope you're having a good, oh God, it's Thursday that we're not releasing. Um, I'm Saul. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host. Michael Smith. And this very special week by somebody incredibly cool. Um, if you're sort of in the, in the fashion scene, you've probably come across, excuse me, their work, you've probably followed their Instagram, or you've read their stuff. Uh, without any further ado, it's Jose Carlos Anzueta, uh, Vogue writer. They also have a podcast. Uh, ex-designer, probably more accolades that I care to, than I care, excuse me, to go into. But without further ado, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. great to be here. We are also, I should probably mention, <laughs> the first time we are doing an in-person interview and in a professional podcast studio, which is pretty cool. Um, this is probably way above our pay grade, this <laughs> room. It's usually just Zoom and like microphones and I don't know, whatever Sony headphones I have near we me. We have but, way too many buttons. Yeah. Oh no, we've got, we've got sound effects, we've got buttons. I can mute people, I think, intentionally. Michael's reaching for either a, a sound effect or I mean, a, go for it. Flex yeah. it. It's going to be so difficult not to spend the entire podcast just... <laughs> I mean, listen, this is very professional. I've never... My own podcast is very... Yeah. Listen, we'll figure it out. It's very <laughs> DIY, so... This, is, this my, is cool. This is my third podcast with Pair of Kings. I don't even have a, a microphone at home. <laughs> I've been using, like, AirPods. Just vibes. Just yeah. AirPods and vibes. Yeah. Period. It's, yeah. So I feel. Uh, also, we can. We're like on a street level. Oh yeah. There are like all of the like Lower East Side morning people walking past us. I wonder how the crowd will change because you've got all those like vintage shops like five blocks down. I wonder if we're gonna get the Depop girlies coming by. There's a sneaker store. I mean, people. I'm sure it's almost eleven, so yeah. they're about to wake up. They're <laughs> about to wake up. It's almost brunch time. Exactly. Not bad. Uh, isn't uh, is it Russ and Daughters right around the corner? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, that crowd will trickle down probably. Yep. And then there's like, oh my god, a tiny dog. Oh, that's so little. Oh, I feel like this is gonna happen a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, dogs. Dogs are the ones you stop for. We're on dog watch. Yeah. Period. Oh god. So how have you been? How have, have your most recent couple of weeks been? I've, we've been talking to the DMs now for a few mm-hmm. weeks, trying to set up, you know, line this up. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's really cool that we're doing this in person, which is. Yeah. No, I'm excited to be doing it in person. Um, it's been wild. I um I literally. Yesterday, I finished my fourth week at Vogue Runway now, so mm-hmm. it's been a month, I think. Um, but it's been wild. I think, you know, we, we jumped straight into it, um, into resort, a lot of, um, like, starting menswear now, a lot of reviews, a lot of showroom appointments. But I think it's been fun to do that. Um, I think if I would have started, like, in an off-season, like, say, August, where things are very slow in the industry, I, I would have felt like, oh, my God, am I going to get fired? Like, yeah. you know, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> like, am I supposed to do something? You know, trying to, like, pretend to be busy. Um Versus I'm not pretend busy. I'm actually pretty busy. So it's mm-hmm. been good. Um, it's been really wild. I think I, I feel like I'm living a movie in a sense. Um, you know, like I'm the person that grew up watching all these documentaries and all these movies and all these things. Um, so now to actually like for that to become my life feels pretty mm-hmm. surreal. And it's been a lot of work, but just very fun. Yeah. But I am very tired. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you know, I just I, I do need a nap. But yeah. we'll get there at some point. Maybe forgive a pump. They tossed you basically straight into the deep end with resort. I mean, it's, yeah. it's happening right now. Are they pressuring you? Like, how how often, sort of, what is the volume of work that they expect? Do they want, like, one long article that sort of wraps everything up? Are you writing something every week or every um, So week? for every brand we cover for resort, and in general, um, every brand that is covered that you guys see on the Vogue Runway app, that I'm sure everyone has, and if not, you should download it. <laughs> Another plug. Um, but, you know, like all of those get very like specific individual reviews. 
Um, so for every preview I go right now, for example, each one of them is its own thing. Um, and those can be pretty long or they can be pretty short as um, anyone that has the app can be familiar with them. Um, and then besides that, there's a lot of like, um, you know, like fashion news. If there's anything that's happening that needs to be covered or um, on top of that, there's the individual pieces you want to write. So like I just wrote about jockstraps, um, which was pretty fun, um, <laughs> you know. Um, so that was like a quick trend piece that I did or like, you know, I interviewed like some street style people to like mm -hmm. talk about how they dress or like right now I'm working on a new story um, interviewing some folks as well. So like I think it really depends. Um, the cool thing about Vogue Runway, I think it's been that um, so much of our volume comes from the reviews. Um, so we also get to work on these other kinds of stories mm -hmm. on top of that. Um, that can be like long lead time or they can be shorter, like depends on what on what the piece actually is. Sure. Um, so I guess to answer your question, um, it, instead of packing them all into like one big review, like other critics do, um, we do individual reviews. Cool. That's pretty cool. Before we get too far away from it, and I forget to do it as I am usually not the one to call for it, but can we get a fit check? We'll start every episode, <laughs> ask people what they're wearing. You yeah. want to lead us off? Yeah, of course. I'm actually, oh my God, like today I'm actually a full look queen, um, okay. which I'm usually not. Um, but I'm wearing a lot of random identity. So I'm wearing like oh. a very big polo shirt. Um, it's all black too. Um, just random identities, then mesh culottes that are also random identities and boots oh. that are also random identities. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan I like of, of the label, Stefano Pilati. Um, you know, I think he, when, when he started this, he really figured out... Um, how to dress the gays, how to dress the <laughs> queers, you know? I mean, I think it really speaks to, like, the way he always dresses and, like, his perspective on fashion that is always very fluid and always very queer and always, like, kind of hot but kind of edgy but kind of interesting and mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so, yeah, I bought all of this at in the Essence sale, I think, last summer. Um, and I have never looked back. Yeah. And I, those, those heels, I consistently look at um like okay. maybe i should get a pair try of to see them underneath paint. the table <laughs> like, not, sadly. they're really good are they the uh like sort of the um, uh not flat toe uh what do you call it like straight across they're the top? You know, like a rubberized yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah yeah cool they're um, kind of like work boot looking yeah yeah and they're actually very comfortable um you know, I can I can do a lot a lot of things in them. <laughs> so I, you know, they work. They work for like when you have to like take a walk, when you have a bunch of meetings, and you want to look cute, etc. So yeah, that's it. How many pairs of black boots do you have? Um, wow. I mean, I mainly wear boots, and I mainly wear black boots. So I have like three pairs, three pairs of black boots that are healed. Mm -hmm. Um, so like these ones, ones that are like a little bit taller. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a pointy one, got it. Because um, I love a pointy toe, and then I have dogs as one does, <clears throat> and then I have three pairs of cowboy boots. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, and yeah, probably yeah. I think that I think that's that's it, which feels like a lot. I started like falling into the mental trap of like, oh, you can't have too many black boots, but at a certain point, you're just sort of shopping for the exact same yeah. thing. <laughs> so so I've so never bad. seen you wearing a pair of boots. Um, it usually happens in the winter, shockingly. Okay. Um, wow. But I don't know. The second it gets warm outside, I lose all desire to, to wear anything that can make me sweat. Mm -hmm. And I hate I hate the feeling of being sweaty. I hate mm -hmm. the feeling of like being wet. Yeah. Um, so it's it's either I lean into it and just wear stuff I don't mind being disgusting in, mm -hmm. or I just wear stuff and just you know try not to get sweaty at all. As soon as it gets hot, I switch into. Um tiny tiny shorts and black boots okay 
instead yes, of we like that pants and black boots. The problem Correct. is I have my legs are like pretty long, but if I wear boots and tiny shorts, they look really tiny. Nah, it like that, compresses me. In everyone order, like, says that, but yeah. it always looks it always looks hot. Like, okay, um, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll yeah, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, on on the heat note, I carry a fan with me. Like I literally have a tiny electric fan. Really? Um, from Amazon. Um, hi Jeff Bezos. Um, <laughs> I know you're listening. This podcast um, is brought to you by <laughs> literally by my tiny fan. Jeff um, and you know it's cute. It charges. It's pink. It charges your phone. It has a flashlight. It charges and your it phone. has two speeds. That's crazy. Phone. Yeah, it's actually and it was twelve dollars. It it's actually pretty wild. And I I get to every resort appointment. Like the elevator opens and I'm like fanning myself. And there, everyone's like always a publicist is like, oh that's cool. Can you send me the link? <laughs> so like I've sent this link to an endless amount of people that by yeah. now I'm like, can I have like. Yeah, you have like, to get like an affiliate. Yeah, link. an affiliate link. I'm like, hello. I'm like a quote unquote influencing, but it's fine. It works. I mean, it's done the trick. I get to places dry now, so it's okay. <laughs> what about you, Michael? What have you got on? Um, I'm wearing. Uh, I have a Rick denim shirt and a Rick tank top. I think the same ones I was wearing in the last podcast. Honestly, big big summer mood. You were in um, the barrel last podcast. Oh, right to. prior to the barrel <laughs> episode. Um, Giant green cargo pants, um, which are like some of the only pants I can wear in the summer. Um, rhinestone cowboy belt. Is it a BB belt? It is a BB belt. Nice. nice. Um, and then uh, Balenciaga Tyrex, mm. which are just like, they look like dress shoes if they were a sports car. Mm. Uh, Probably a good description. That's good copy. They should use it on the website. I'll let them know. <laughs> Call up Demna. And then uh, Supreme Boxers, Uniqlo socks, as always. Period. I love Uniqlo socks. I'm wearing Uniqlo socks as well. That's the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've been showed up. I'm in like a vintage t-shirt that I slept in last night, which I shouldn't probably have said, and then a pair of <laughs> vintage like military pants that I got. And again, they're like the only pair of pants I'll wear in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, uh, what do you call them, Birkenstocks, because I've packed up all my, my shoes and boots. I'm moving, and so all of my shoes are now in boxes, and the two that I have out are... A pair of loafers, which I didn't want to wear because they're heavy, and I want to walk a lot today. And then Birkenstocks, which the are the world's most cooked Birkenstocks. Oh yeah, I mean, hold on, let me show you the heel of these. <laughs> I've like chewed through one heel, over. and like it's completely separating. And yeah. I keep being like, oh, I'm gonna throw these out. Like these are, you know, on their last legs. But it's like a, it's like a, what do you call it? Like a security blanket. Yeah. Where I just can't bring myself to like get rid of them. Just vibram them and keep going. But the problem is I've worn away the cork, so yeah. like the the structure of the shoe is terrible. Someone I'd have to get the could, heel tapped yeah. somehow. Yeah. I know a guy. Do you? <laughs> you let me know. I'll get you a guy. But I mean, the Birkenstocks are like much fifty dollars. Yeah, exactly. But it's more about preserving. We like lived in lived yeah. in things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better. Also, I do think, uh, in the Lower East Side, you are probably like the one who's trying the least. Probably looks the coolest. I I don't feel as if I look that no, you, cool. You're all right. Good. All right. I, I appreciate the props. <laughs> it's all about being like relaxed. Yeah, that's one thing I've gotten spades. Uh, I don't know. I like to describe my way of dressing as I'd be like okay going fishing at any time. Period. I'm very into fly fishing. Just in case. In like my Just very straight white guy type of, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always trying too hard. Like, what, what was it? Um, so the other day I'm at the office and one of our editors, Sarah Spellings, goes like, oh, like I just watched Gone Girl. And I'm like, oh, here, like I'm a fan. Um, and, you know, in, in Gone Girl, there's this like cool girl monologue that if you guys are not familiar with, I highly suggest familiarize yourselves with it. Um, but you know, it's like Rosamund Pike going off about like how 
straight men like cool girls you know like yeah. you know like oh like she drinks beers and like you know she she eats a lot like fries and like chicken tenders <laughs> or whatever um and it's like she just goes off and i'm like and i i'm i every time i watch it and as i was talking to sarah about this i was like i've never been the cool girl you know i've always been very try hard i've always been very eager i'm like i could never be that so like my way of dressing has always been sort of like oh this is like the fourth or fifth outfit you know like this it, it was never sort of like the I'm just, yeah, I'll never be, like, the cool girl. I'll never be, like, the nonchalant. I'll never be easy. I feel like there is merit to just being, like, authentically very into, like, whatever you're yeah. into. Yeah. Like, I, again, am very much the same way. Like, I'm not, I'm laid back, but not in a way that, like, I don't talk about what I'm into. Mm-hmm. And, like, within the second time of meeting my girlfriend, I was, like, talking about Dungeons and Dragons, which is Period. usually a death sentence for, like, <laughs> yeah. talking to girls. She was like, oh, I think it's really cool that, like, you have these passions. I'm never going to do that with you. Maybe, but it's cool that you're into it. I was like, oh, like, thank you so much. This is actually the fourth or fifth shirt that Saul tried on before going to sleep. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. He was, yeah. He's <laughs> you dress for bed. particular about which exactly. comfortable shirt he sleeps in. I mean, listen, it's important. My favorite shirt of all time is a, I got it for like $4. It's a huge, it's like an XXL, uh, like vintage American Express shirt that's mm-hmm. like legitimately falling apart. And both my mom and my grandmother have tried to, like, throw it away. And I keep finding it and being like, no, you can't toss this. Like, Here. fishing it out of the garbage. I'm like, no, that's my favorite shirt. Mm-hmm. They're just like, get the fuck. Re-. Like, it, the graphic is completely worn. The armpits are blown out. <laughs> the the neck is, like, double frayed. The bottom is, like, ripped in holes. There's, like, holes all over. My mom's like, it looks like you, like, went to war in this shirt. Like, just And you're like, I did. Yeah. <laughs> People pay a lot of money for that. I know. Listen, it's true. I found it for four dollars in like a random thrift store on Long Island. You could tell me that's Vermont, and I'd believe you. <laughs> I had, I had yes. an idea of just buying a random, um, you know, those those Facebook shirts. that's like uh, nobody better mess with my eighteen wheeler and my wife and my gun and yes. my pistol. <laughs> yes. And just screen printing like the Vetmons logo over it. Just be like, yeah, like this yeah. is the most recent season. You can it get away with it. <laughs> oh yeah. I would. I would. Yep. Yeah. Especially like recently, Vemon has done. I think they've legit done one of those shirts. Have they? they might have. That's incredible. I, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm also probably lying. <laughs> I do love lying. <laughs> lying is great. Yeah, honestly, I love delusion. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I identify as delusional. Like okay. I am very delusional. Okay. Um, I think delusion is important. It's part of manifestation, <laughs> and somewhere in between there, there's a little bit of lying to yourself, especially. Yeah. But you know, it works out. Yeah. Hallucinate it till you make it. Yeah. Period. <laughs> That's the title of my memoir. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so talking about like trends, what's currently in, what people are making, you're a very talented trends forecaster, and I feel like you have Thank like you. your finger on the pulse of what's happening in probably the, the lamest way of saying that possible. But <laughs> <laughs> what do you predict is sort of going to be the next big thing down the road? I think it, so I was actually just um, catching up on all of the mentor shows and all these things um, this morning because I'm working on a trend report right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think something that's been very interesting that I've seen starting um, the last round of shows from Women's Wear is that there's a lot of sort of a going back into true traditional tailoring codes. And I think there's there's something to be said about, <clears throat> you know, like every time there's a suit on the wrong way, there's a fashion writer that has to write. Um, the suit is coming back and this is how or like you know the return of the suit or you know and I feel that it's it's, it's 800 really painful words to write <laughs> um, but you know last last season for women's where we saw every, everywhere from Sport Max down to Versace etc cetera, etc cetera, they all had a lot of very heavy tailoring and a lot mm-hmm. of very classic tailoring which is mm-hmm. what I find interesting 
Um, and I think now in menswear, we're starting to see it. So like one of the big trends this season is um, double-breasted summer suits, for mm -hmm. example, you know? And I've already seen at least, I think I have like six names written down for the shows that I've seen it in. Same thing, like tiny um, dress suits, uh, dress vests, sorry. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, why are we... <laughs> why you know I'm like why where where are we getting this from and you know i think all of that is stemming from like uh you know you play with something so much like we did with tailoring over the last couple of years that eventually mm -hmm. you get back to where you started mm -hmm. um and i think that's my my thing right now is that after you know like the fendi ss20 crop jacket and men's um and every like the show that launched like a, a thousand midriffs um and then the same thing with Mew Mew, right so like all of those crop jackets and cropped everything you can only you you get so far that eventually you have to go back to the start. Yeah. So my thing is that I find it interesting that we're seeing a return to sort of this classicism, mm. you know. And I think you see it from designers like a Peter Doerr, Chris Original Rogers, that are so good at um, sportswear specifically, mm -hmm. right? So like Chris is so good at, you know, finding all these elements of a wardrobe and subverting some of them, but also really focusing on the make of the other of the others. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Peter, right? And I think. Um, you see that from a lot of other re really interesting designers that we're all very passionate about. So I think our my, the big thing that I'm trying to look at is that, mm. like, who's going to be the designer that is going to make the classic suit cool? Mm. You know, and I think it's going to take some, like a new name. It always, I think to make something like that cool or to make something like that novel, it always takes a novel name. Yeah. But that's what I'm trying to look at right now. A lot of what I'm paying attention to this season as well is... There's been, I mean, I've, I've written about this so much, but there's been an influx of um, queerness and flamboyance and menswear. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, like, how far can we, how, how far can we go with this? You know, mm -hmm. like, you can, like, in my, my thing, and again, with last season in women's where there was so much butchness, yeah. you know, like the Chloe show, like the McQueen show, um, there was a lot of, like, really butch fashion in women's wear. So I'm like, these, like, all of these designers are starting to lean so far towards the center that eventually they meet and converge. So like, mm -hmm. where, are we, where are we going with this? At what point, so when that sort of comes into the mainstream, right? Like the Chloe show, sort mm -hmm. of butch or, or queer or gay influences within fashion, at what point does that, or at what sort of uh, junction is it sort of respect and, and sort of paying homage and, and really like honoring where it's coming from, which is queer culture, mm -hmm. gay culture. And what point is it sort of appropriation once it hits the mainstream and sort of like diffuses? I mean, I think this is always a very um, sort of tricky thing to answer. But the reality is that as soon as and fashion does this all the time, right, especially mainstream fashion, like it always takes from minorities, it always takes from mm -hmm. um, like off center um, subcultures to make something interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Or to make something novel or to make something mainstream. And I think the reality behind something like a crop jacket at Fendi SS22 is that that's not new to like yeah. anyone that lives near queer people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or like anywhere that lives near like anyone that's like subverting fashion in any way. So like, but obviously once say a designer sees this, shows it to Sylvia or whoever in the Fendi team and they're like, oh, that's cool, let's put it on a runway, mm -hmm. then that becomes mainstream and then that becomes trendy and novel for everyone else, yeah. right? So I think to answer your question, it's I think it's always going to be a great area when it comes to, hey, like, this is what, that the original inspiration is a mood for full of queer people. The mm -hmm. runway is full of straight cis male models, <laughs> you know, like, um, and that's just... It's sadly the way it goes. I think it's really hard in fashion to 
really credit your influences like you know in the show notes what whatever designer can be like hey like we draw a lot of inspiration from you know ballroom culture from yeah. queer people that we see in new york paris or whatever but your customer is not reading that when exactly. they get yeah. when they purchase something right like they even when they see the crop jacket and choice of on um it doesn't come with a press release yeah. you know the instagram post the instagram story doesn't come with like a disclaimer mm-hmm. and that happens across the board and it's happened for years so i think for me it's never really especially when it comes to queerness it's really never homage like it's never really like a, wow we love queerness so we're gonna put you guys uh, on a runway because mm-hmm. you're not putting us on the runway you're putting the way we dress on the runway right yeah. it's always going to be sort of like borrowing um the things that are cool and it happens with blackness all the time as well right so many designers borrow from black culture steal from black culture because they're like oh this is cool this is interesting how can i make it how can i put my name on it and profit from it right and that's what happens with queerness as well so like you see so many big brands that are like wow like you know i'm like i see a lot of looks on the room and i was like oh i wore that like six months ago and like someone called me a faggot on the train you know and i'm like and but then you you see it on a runway and if, and everyone's co-signing it as like the coolest thing in the world. So yeah. I think, long story short, I think it really is never about homage. It's always about um, how can you how can these mainstream brands reinvent themselves in a way that feels novel to the mainstream. Yeah. And that's always from borrowing from something that isn't mainstream. It's always from the off center. It's always from the subculture. When when you see like a lot more of that like subculture become mainstream does it sort of like bounce back and like the subcultures sort of change Mm -hmm. and like you see it's something that's very interesting right now is that um you know i'm 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 gonna come out of the closet with this but i live in bushwick i'm a bushwick girl (laughs) um you know uh the girls have to know eventually (laughs) you know i'm like i know it's but it it, i promise there's a point to this um but so like i you know i live in bushwick i go out in bushwick i'm never in manhattan like -hmm. you know like me being here it's like me being here at the office or like previews or doing something cool like this it's never sort of like oh my god let's go out in soho like that's Mm -hmm. never sort of my goal um so I'm always like in these spaces where it's either like, you know, whether it's a dive bar or whether it's like a quote unquote rave, because I'm also not a rave queen. Like I don't I, I don't sleep enough to be able to like stay up that late in the weekends. Uh, but, you know, whenever I'm at this at these parties, I see the way all these girlies are dressing. And, you know, more than a year ago, like pre, even pre pandemic, you could always already see the Y2K, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't even ironic. Like, I think it obviously a lot of these things start and get to the mainstream ironically. Um so, you know, it, it's always like how you, you always start ironically liking something, whether it's Birkenstocks, whether it's Crocs, whether it's mm-hmm. whatever. And Y2K, in my opinion, started like that. People like Gen Z discovering and being like, oh, this is still ugly. I'm going to make it cute. And then all of a sudden everyone's obsessed with it. Right. Um, but, you know, you could already see this subculture of like queer people of color, specifically mm-hmm. um, the rape girls going out in Bushwick, in Ridgewood already in very Y2K clothes that they would yeah. find at L Train Vintage or any really any other thrift store. Yeah, you can find it for so cheap. Yeah, now you can't anymore because yeah. now it's a big trend, right? Yeah. But back then it was very, like, and I'm saying like two two years ago, it was just very cheap. It was very easy to find yeah. all of that because that was the stuff no one wanted. Yeah. And I think now that you see that ev- that that's the mainstream, yeah. obviously the girls are not about to like look like any other girl. Like, sorry to Bella Hadid, you know, but like, you know, like, you want to look like them they don't want to you know like yeah. they and now they're moving on 
do you feel like that's almost why suiting is coming back? Just because, like, <laughs> in subcultures, like, that's the stuff that sits in thrift. Like, you know, you can go to any thrift store and find, like, a full Zegna suit. Exactly. For, like, $4. That's literally why. And I think that's that's the most interesting thing because now you also see, you see, you see, you see a twofold, right? So mm-hmm. one side of trends is always going to be, like, cyclicality and it's always mm-hmm. going to be um, sort of always looking back 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Like, that's just what we do. So you're starting to see, like, in these leads and you're starting to see, like, all of those, like, mid to late um 2000s um inspirations come back sure and like up to the early 2010s like now that's a nostalgia right Mm -hmm. and people are like okay like tiktok is moving too fast and like they're clocking our (laughs) references too fast so now we need to find like what what went next you know Mm -hmm. so like and again it's what's sitting on a trip store so like now i see now when i go out i see a lot of in these leads i see a lot of like um basically that era in fashion (laughs) covers night um you know like a lot of those things and now um that's also why you see a lot of this tailoring and a lot of this classic tailoring a lot of this like true workwear over like re reimagined workwear mm-hmm. come back into um the subcultures in fashion because it's like how can i it's always going to be about how can i be different or how can i you know subvert something yeah. and that subversion always ends up in the mainstream so like right now it's tailoring and it's like oh i'm gonna wear like a suit and a tie every day to go to work and yeah. fashion, whatever. Or like, and it's like, I'm going to be cool and I'm going to be different. And everyone's like, oh my God, like I haven't seen anyone wear a suit in a time in years. And then give it six, give it like six months, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like for fall, it's already a big thing. So like, you know, come August and September, all the stores are going to be populated with tailoring. Yeah. So that's exactly how it happens. I, I like try to dress as weird as possible when I go to the <laughs> office to like confuse my coworkers. And the only time I've ever gotten a weird reaction was when I wore a full suit. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, like, I've, I've worn, like, I go to work in, like, you know, five-inch plexiglass heels and, like, leather basketball shorts all the time. No one really cares. But I showed up in, like, a suit and tie, and everyone was like... And that's confusing, exactly. Yeah. Because right now, that's not alternative. Like, yeah. you know, the people, like, even when I talk to my dad, you know, um, my dad, every every, like, four weeks, my dad is always asking me, like... So like, should I throw away my ties? You know, he's like, are we still doing suits? Like, what, what's, what's, what, what are we doing, so right? Yeah, it's, it's so really sweet. cute. Yeah, it's very sweet because he's like, what? How am I supposed to dress? Um, you know, and like, my dad lives in Bolivia. Like, I'm from Bolivia, so mm-hmm. my dad still lives back home. Like, he's a lawyer. Like, his life is very much that, right? So he's like, how am I supposed to dress? Like, what are mm-hmm. we doing? Like, I want to be cool, right? I'm like, you're a cool dad. <laughs> um, but like, you know, it's always sort of his question, and I'm always like, don't, don't, don't. You know, yeah. like, don't don't give anyone anything like don't throw anything away like if anything i'll be wearing that shit in like six months like two months um you know but it's always very interesting because like for me and that's i've been i've been trying to like make make my dad understand sort of this return to the classic suit for a few weeks and he's like i don't get it he's like i'm like you will and like you know a few weeks i'm like the men's show is about to start so we'll see um but it's that like people get really confused when they see you know someone our age or someone like like us fashion files or whatever dress in very classic things mm-hmm. because they always think that the goal is subversion but mm-hmm. the reality is that dressing right now in like just a very classic suit and tie is pretty subversive yeah are, are you about to start wearing a suit and tie everywhere or do you i don't think i could ever i'm pretty <laughs> traumatized by um I don't think I could ever. I mean, again, like I grew up watching my dad um, wear a suit and tie. Famous last words, right? Like watch me like three months on Instagram. Um, <laughs> don't hold it against me. Um, but, you know, like I grew up watching my dad wear a suit and tie every day to work. And like for me, that's the definition of um, traditional masculinity. Yeah. Right. So 
when it comes to the way I dress, I always, whenever I look to mask or whenever I look to traditionally masculine, I always experience some sort of confusion, dysphoria and stress. I'm always like, I don't, this is too much for Like I never, it's hard for me. Wouldn't there be something to subverting that though by wearing a suit or changing it in a cool way or wearing, um, his name's eluding me, but I think he was a finalist in the BFDA or BDFA, I forget Mm -hmm. the, um, does knitwear classic suiting out of uh, London maybe? Someplace in England, I'm blanking on the name, I'll, I'll think of it in a little bit, but sort of subverting that or recontextualizing it and sort of using that expectation of it being sort of the traditional masculine image, traditional male image of like suit and tie, go to work, um, and sort of bringing it back in a way that, you know, you can feel proud or feel connected or like not have those expectations, pardon me, placed on you um, while I guess participating or while wearing that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of value and there's a lot of space to that, but at the same time, I always revert to like, oh, we've already done this, you know? So like, um, you know, in my head, I'm like, you think of that and I'm already thinking of Tom Brown, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, let's, you know, like crop it a little bit, put a pleated skirt on it, a, uh, like a little heel. And then, you know, you, you, you queered it up enough and it just feels, it's still a suit, but it feels subverted enough. But I'm also like, that's already mainstream. Like for me, Tom, the classic Tom uniform, you know, the moment someone like Oscar Isaac is wearing it to like, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, a Marvel TV show, um, red carpet, that's already mainstream enough. You know, like if Pete Davidson is wearing like the Tom Brown, um, whatever to the Megala, that's already mainstream enough. So Mm -hmm. is there still subversion within that? I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't think the answer is like black and white. I think like a personal answer is like, I don't, I don't know if I would still, like, I think I could, would I wear Tom Brown? Yes. Tom Brown Mm -hmm. PR, you know, I'm a fan. Um, But like at the same time, you know, I, I, I still think that's subverted enough already to the point where it doesn't necessarily relate enough to the traditional idea of a suit. So I'm like, I, I'm always, I, I have a suit that I thrifted and I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear this one day. And every time I try it on, I'm like, I look like my dad, mm-hmm. yeah, just, um, you know, and maybe, you know, I, maybe I need a psychologist, maybe I need a therapist. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think there's. You, I'm like, I don't know, is there daddy issues in there? Is it gender dysphoria? Whatever it is, or maybe it's a mixture of both. I don't think I can right now. Yeah. But again, famous last word. Like, watch me try to do it in a few months. Everything that I currently wear is something I, at one point, have definitely, like, hated. <laughs> oh, period. <laughs> well, like, that's also the thing. When I was a kid, I used to... I'll, I'll show you guys a photo after this, but I'm like, I was... I was biggest nerd you know I was like I was that kid in in school because you know I think part of growing up queer you're always sort of like you have to be the best so like Mm. the opening sentence is always like oh Jose's gay but you know it's always that so like I was always a good student I was always a good kid quote-unquote um you know so I was you know my hair was like parted like from the sides a little was like cute and short and it was always like perfectly like put together I wore like these cute little glasses and like you know I was always dressed very preppy etc etc so I think even like identity wise, when I revert to anything close to that, I'm always like, oh, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like um, and but then when I was that kid, I was like, I'll never have like piercings or tattoos mm-hmm. or like, um, you know, like dress weird or things like that. Like I, I rejected so much of that because I think I associated it with um, all the things that I wanted to guard myself off to avoid being like even more bullied. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, now I'm that, <laughs> you know, and like, honestly, thank God. But, you know, it's the same thing. Like I, everything I wear right now are things I would have hated like yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. 
it's kids in especially in high school are just vicious and i think it's swung a lot too because now mm-hmm. it's cool to like dress in an interesting way mm-hmm. or like whatever and it, i just could not imagine what it would be like to be in high school now like no. i'm straight right yeah. um but i would wear you heard uh, it here first yeah no i would wear like tom brown shorts which are you know like what you were tom brown in high school yeah i discovered Period. it my senior year Jeez. um and then like a vintage like sweater or something and like kids would call me faggot and i'd be yeah. like you know like yeah i'm not really doing it like i'm just wearing clothes mm-hmm. and like these are yeah. kids that i knew and they were just like mad in the hallway yeah. just decide, you know like people just say that for like anything yeah they don't, yeah high school well, like high school kids we grew up with i i got i used to be a scene kid and then i started dressing really preppy yeah and then everyone like yeah i mean it's ridiculous like you know kids are vicious but I guess sort of what I wanted to lead into is with the appearance of so many different subcultures and sort of the accessibility of those increasing like what a million fold mm-hmm. with TikTok and Instagram and you know there's like a discord for everything right like you can join these communities very easily yeah. how can people sort of find their own identity without just sort of saying hey like this is what's popular I'm just gonna sort of jump onto there and like you know let it sort of take me where I where I go. I mean, I think I, I kind of wrote a little bit about this mm-hmm. um, for ID a few weeks ago. Um, and it was sort of like what like we've, we've gone too far with quote unquote trend core. Right. Yeah. You know, so like everything is like something core. I mean, I've, I'm part of the problem. I've written about so many of those. Um, you made up a new core to yeah, talk about to talk how there's about too many cores. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to my ID editor, Osman Ahmed, you know, but like, because he's the one that came up with Trendcore. Um, but honestly, like the thing that's interesting about all of this is that I I feel like I'm twofold about it. Like one part of me is always very exhausted of this. I'm like, Clowncore, really? You know, I'm like... Is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know, like biker core. Like I wrote We just so called them juggalos when I was a kid. And I just called it scary. Oh my God, um, okay. You know, like there's so many, but again, like there's so many cores. Um, and something that's interesting to me about it is that there's never going to stop. There were always this many cores. We just yeah. didn't have access to them, as yeah. you said, right? So part of me has this exhaustion of trend core and saying mm-hmm. like, girl, like what the fuck? Like, can we just stop? But the other end of it, like, and this is where I stand most of the time, I want to say 80% of the time, is that's part of what fashion and style is. Yeah. All of that, like whether whatever neighborhood in Manhattan you're walking, there's always going to be like this tiny little, tiny or big subculture. Of, there's always going to be a uniform, right? Mm-hmm. Go to Murray Hill or go to so or go to go to anywhere. So like, and I think that's an important part of finding your identity. Yeah. I think part of, like for me, fashion is always going to be drag. Mm-hmm. Fashion is always custom. Like my definition of fashion has always been informed by people like Lady Gaga, for example, mm-hmm. right? I the reason why I work in fashion, why I became interested in fashion, was her. And she's always used fashion as a form of drag to like, you know, whether she is going to the Oscars and she's going to give you like this like Brandon Maxwell dress and like a Tiffany's um, necklace or she's doing Chromatica Ball and she's going to be in Iris Van Herpen or she's, you know, whatever she's doing, she's always going to be embody the character through the clothes. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the way you dress every single day. Yeah. You know, the choice of wearing um, the suits to the office or the plexi boots or me wearing whatever I'm wearing right now or the vintage tea and the bricks, whatever. Like all of those things are choices and all of all of those things are customs for characters we play. Yeah. And the only way of like you you kinda I think you have to make peace with that and you have to make peace with the fact that like you're allowed to try all these things. Mm-hmm. I don't have a consistent aesthetic. Like there's days where I look <laughs> I don't know. I mean I I I used to only wear black, for example, right? Yeah. And then um 
you know, Christopher, John Rogers and I have like friends since college. And when I moved to New York and I started like I entered for him for a little bit and then you just we just got closer. Mm-hmm. Um, I started wearing a lot of his clothes and I'm, you know, half of the week I'm wearing all black and half of the week I look like a fucking rainbow, you know, and like there's never sort of like a thorough line there. And like even like with my hair, I used to have a buzz cut for like years. And like people don't believe me when I see show them photos. Um, you know, because that looks like a different person too. But I think that it's it's important to try to be because you know when I had a buzz cut, for example, I was I wanted to look mask and yeah. I wanted to um, you know look like this Latino boys that I, I was so attracted to when sure. I was watching like you know whether it's TV or porn. To be honest, you mm-hmm. know, so I'm like okay, I tried that, but I never felt like myself. So then I grew my hair, I grew my nails, and I did all these things during the pandemic. And then I was like okay, like this is this i feel com- more comfortable here so yeah. you know you always you're always trying all these versions of fashion as drag until you find your own so yeah. like you know for some maybe you know gorpcore is there is their authentic self <laughs> you know <laughs> allegedly <laughs> um maybe you are a clown and clown core is where it's at for you sure. or maybe you are a mixture of all of those things yeah. but i think the only way of finding out is trying all of them on and I think what's been interesting about this explosion of access to all of these subcultures is that you you get to see them and learn about them and you get to, they're almost like instruction manuals. Mm-hmm. You know, like to, to click a hashtag on TikTok of one of these trends, cottagecore, whatever it is, you're like, oh, so that's what that looks like. Do I see myself in that? Do I want to try that on? No, what's the next one? Or I'm like, oh, I like that, I like that, I like that, let me mix it together. And maybe that's how you find your own personal style, you know? Yeah. So I think I think there's value in all of this access and, and there's value, you know, and like like there's conceptual value in all of this and the way in which it can help people find their identity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it's also felt pretty unauthentic, yeah. you know, because again, at the same time as fashion is drag, it's also costume and it allows a lot of people to play dress up in things that they don't necessarily relate to, you know, like, you know, some people do dress in full rig just because they think that's what's cool. Yeah. Not because, <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, not because that's that they, they relate to the aesthetic or because yeah. they like, they like to see themselves in it. But I do think there's some value to it. And it, I think that explosion does allow a lot of people to find, um, their own personal aesthetic, especially outside of the bubble that we live in, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. our own fashion bubble of like paying so much attention to the shows and knowing so much about fashion is sometimes makes us, side eye a lot of these yeah, things right but you know when you zoom out there's so many people that really have no idea and you yeah. know you kind of do need an instruction manual sometimes when you want to get dressed yeah i feel like i i talk a lot about or like i see things and i'm like oh that's like played out in my head and then i you know 90 percent of the people who you're walking by don't even like exactly think about it i think we we pick it apart maybe too much mm-hmm. we're too close to it yeah do you think it uh like when you find out that Gorpcore is your authentic self, <laughs> as I hope to do one day, um, do you think that it stops being drag? Mm. That's interesting. That's a really good question. I don't think it ever stops being drag, to be okay. completely honest. Because I, you know, I even joke about this with my friends. Like, we we have everyday drag too. Yeah. You know, like what the way you present every day is always going to be a choice mm-hmm. and whether you want to revert back to that one scene in devil wars prada about the cerulean sweater um you know or you want to revert back to like the latest episode of rupaul's drug race now in paramount plus um <laughs> you know you can um whether whatever you want to exactly whatever you want to revert back to 
um, it's always going to be that. Like fashion is always going to going to be one of the first choices you make in the day, mm-hmm. and it's always going to be based on the what you want to present as. Mm-hmm. You know, there's levels to gore court too. There's lever there, there's levels to you know wearing whatever designer every day. You know. And I think that's that's what it boils down to, to me. Like whether, you know, if, if you're the person that only wears workwear every day, there's level to that too. Yeah, if you only like to wear vintage or if you only wear cargo pants and T-shirts and Bergs or if you only wear Rick or if you only wear random identities, et cetera. Like, you know, there's, there's always levels to that. Like today I'm comfortable in a massive polo shirt, mesh culottes and, you know, a heeled boot. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, maybe I still want to wear random identities, but I want to wear a T-shirt and cargo pants, yeah. you know. There's, there's... There's levels to there's there's levels to all of these subcultures and aesthetics and all of these and uh, all of these like sort of stylistic pursuits, and they're always going to be a choice. And for as much as they're a choice, in my opinion, they're always going to be a level of drag or costume. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about like you mentioned it sort of briefly? Like sometimes people's like aesthetic is is a style or like a core. And sometimes it's just like allegiance to a specific brand. Mm -hmm. And like, does that seem like less genuine or does that like? Yes, to be honest, I think this is a hard question to answer as well, because it it can go in many different ways. But, you know, I think it's very different to dress as something or dress with something Mm -hmm. than to be a part of the subculture. Mm. You can dress in these sleeves, you can dress MO, you can dress a lot of different things, but that doesn't mean you are the thing. Mm-hmm. You can dress in these sleeves to the office, but you know, where you really, where you going to American Apparel to like plan your things, you know, like where you going to these parties, where you ever photograph and like the MySpace group, so forth, you know, like there's again, like there's, you, you can dress the part, but you're not always playing the role. I was going to say, it is interesting when, like, competing subcultures both move into the same space. And the one that comes to mm-hmm. mind is, like, the Playboy Cardi fans who have now discovered Rick Owens and are, like, weirdly super homophobic and, like, oh, so buy, like, weird. what, like, Dunks and Ramones and, like, yeah. fake Rick Owens, but are still, like, yo, like, everything I wear is Rick, like, mm-hmm. you know, and then just, again, are, like, outspokenly homophobic or, like... Yep. Just, I'll just say generally assholes online. Yeah. But then they're also, like, the Rick Owens fans who, like... Yeah, like Rick is. Rick is so gay. Yeah, I like. The man has a video of him like fucking a guy with his hair. Or getting fucked by a horse. Yeah, but like, yeah. He. Yeah, I mean, I think, for example, (laughs) I actually, not to sound like the most annoying person in the world, but I wrote a little (laughs) bit about this. Um, Like, not to sound like a forever self-plug, but I did write a little bit about this. Um, Where can we find this article? um, It was for ID. It's called, um, What Happens to If You Know You Know. What Happens to If You Know You Know When Everyone Knows. That's a good title. Um, I I read that one. (laughs) Thank you. Um, you know, and I actually spoke to one of the, one of the Rick Owens discords, like not the main one that's like the true Rick Owens discord, but the group that started another one. Uh, um, cesspool of Trash. Cesspool of Trash, as who the, we love, shout out. As the, uh, as the like, oh last living that. moderator of mm-hmm. the other main... Living? Quote-unquote main. They're not dead. But okay. <laughs> as the, like, last functioning moderator of the other Discord, they, they're kind of taking over as the yeah. real one. We've sort, of, we've sort of lost the plot at Rod. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah, and that's I'm, okay. It's I'm okay. Done. It's time to move on sometimes. But listen, yeah. that's why I interviewed them. Yeah, no, yeah. Please. <laughs> you know? um, but hey, like I, I spoke to Shout them. Out and, Sam. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I, I spoke to them a little bit. And it was, it was about this mainly, you know, like, hey, 
what does it feel like when when you live and breathe Rick Owens yeah. and then you see all of these like stands for all these rappers or artists that are sort of like dragging up not as Rick but as the celebrity they like you know and there were a lot of mixed feelings obviously a lot of them was like you know it's just kind of annoying but at the same time what's the most annoying is that resale becomes expensive <laughs> you know and like yes yeah, it's true um but all the whole thing sort of like surrounding this um piece was that right like what happens to all of these little things when they become mainstream like yeah. are they still cool are they still interesting are, can they remain authentically something mm -hmm. and it was funny because actually this piece like was a like a few people made some viral tiktoks about them and they were talking about how i was trying to gatekeep things um opposite right? they called you the i know literally <laughs> i was like it's completely the opposite like i'm writing about how you can both be the tourist and the purist and enjoy the thing and how you should enjoy the thing regardless of what it is like yeah. literally and the worst part is or the best part is that every single like i watched two of the tiktoks and then i just sort of gave up I was like you know enough um was then like all of them every time the, all the all the sort of like things they would use against this piece were the the points that I was making at the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I was like, just you, didn't read the article? Exactly. I was like, you either didn't read the whole thing or you read it and now and you rely on the fact that people are not going to read it and you're using my whatever it's like. Look, they're on TikTok. They have a 10 second attention yeah. span. Yeah. And you know, it's fine at the same time. Like, oh, you're reading the article. Thank you so much. You know, like, oh, you're posting it, period. You know, like, it better go viral. Like, thank you so much. It's good. You know, the rate is up. Um, I bring traffic. You know, it's fine. Like, I don't necessarily, it's fine. Like, I, for me, like once I put something into the world, it's not yet, you know, I'm only responsible for what I say, you know, for how you understand it. Mm -hmm. And I'll live and breathe, die for those words. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, what's interesting about this is that for me, it boils down to that, right? Like something like Rick will always still be niche. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how mainstream it goes or how inauthentic some of the people that are trying to participate in it are. The true core essence of Rick will always be very niche like mm -hmm. you know last season he put down like the urinate t-shirt yeah you know i'm like some people are like oh my god that's kind of cool subversive oh my god rick owens is so funny you know but the reality is that like i'm like rick loves pee you yeah, know yeah. like so i'm like if yeah. if, if you it's not you, a joke it's not a joke you know and i'm like and and it's great and like go off and you can find more than enough images and footage and interviews about that including one id uh photo montage where he's peeing on himself yeah. right the so one I'm, that got like Band, yes. Oh, that mm -hmm. was yeah. Um, you know, so like, there's, I I posted on my Instagram. I had to put like little black hearts on top of all the penises. Um, but you know, like, you like the the true sort of like quote unquote purists of all of these subcultures, mm -hmm. um, are still so committed and still so um, stand so hard that it's always going to be esoteric and niche, the way they experience it, right? Yeah for the sort of tourist that, you know, tries it on. It's like, okay, this is cool. And I'm moving on to the next. I'm moving on to the next. It's always going to be some sort of level of, like, it's almost like the target logo. It's almost like a, like a bullseye, right? Yeah. Um, you can stay, like, the nicheness is always going to stay at the center. And, like, there's always going to be people that are around it. And they can get close to the to the center or not. But they we all experience these things in different ways. Yeah. yeah. I still have, like, I, I don't really... I like to talk shit, but I feel like I don't put one above the other. Like, I don't think, I don't feel like people who are, like, super, like, tunnel vision dedicated to this, like, thing before and after as a trend or any, like, 
better than people who are just like exploring whatever happens mm-hmm. to be cool right now. It's just like I agree. different I, ways. I hate the concept of before it was cool. Yeah. You know, I'm like I I was not always like this invested in fashion. Mm-hmm. So I was not always sort of like the quote unquote first person to find out something about something or to learn about a designer or anything. But that doesn't make you less passionate. That doesn't make you less interested. And it doesn't like make you less interesting, you know? I think, again, something that pe- a lot of people misconstructed of this article was that I use the concept of the poorest and, tu- and tourist to to try to sort of explain this dichotomy. Yeah. Because it does sound like you're, you're saying that the purest is more valuable yeah. or has more... Yeah. Um, or deserves sort of more attention mm-hmm. or anything over the tourist. But the reality is that for a lot of a lot of my life and even today, I'm I'm a tourist in so many ways. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. like so I don't think I agree with you. I don't think there is one is better than the other or there's more value to one over the other. They're just different ways of experiencing. They things. also drive each other, right? I exactly. mean you couldn't you what you love probably won't continue to be popular if you're you know, if the brand isn't doing well financially. Yeah. They're gonna exactly. change or they're gonna pivot. Exactly. And like yeah. again, like Sam from um, the Discord from Rickman Festival of Trash, it was it was that, you know, like he at the end he kinda told me, he's like, Well, <laughs> you know, all of the people that are engaging with like some of the people that are engaging with Rick through Playbook Cardi or whatever eventually become part oh, yeah. of the subculture. You know, like your first entry into something like this is always going to be a tourist. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and that's that's important. That's special. It's valuable. If I met myself getting into Rick now, I would like, I would not like that guy very much. <laughs> right. And that's just. I think the. Um, Stop talking about Rick and Playboy Cardi soon, I'm sure. But <laughs> I do think it's really, like, interesting that, like, uh, that group sort of shifted from Rick to Balenciaga. Mm-hmm. Like, a little slowly, but it sort of seemed like it happened all at once. Like, like Cardi's wearing a whole bunch of Balenciaga now, and, yeah. like, Kanye's buying out the entire store. Some people that I watched buy a whole shitload of like retail Rick outfits six months later we're selling them in one bulk buy so that they could buy a bunch of retail Balenciaga that's where I'm a little like that's heartbreaking to me yeah it's it's kind of sad that was like that was your personality for like six months Mm -hmm. I I wish you would keep like you don't you can get into whatever's the cool thing now but like don't like pretend you never had anything to do with it. Like, don't just like run away. And I think that's the sort of like other side of the coin when it comes to this conversation of subcultures and fashion as drag and like trying on all these things, etc. Is that there is a tendency for people to really just sort of disengage mm-hmm. of or like detach themselves from the thing and just engage with it when it's trendy to move on. You know, and it's like, but you know, didn't you like it? Like, yeah. what what are you like? Who are you like? What do you actually like? Why can't you hold on to it? Like, I'm sure out of all these things that you bought and are selling, like, there was something that you really liked. Yeah. Like, do you really feel the need to, like, get rid of it? I think that's where it gets kind of sad because, again, like, what happens, like, something that I'm thinking a lot, like, I've been trying to write this piece for a while and I'm waiting after until after the um, the September shows to see if it's worth it. But I'm like, what happens after Y2K? Yeah. You know, like, what happens when we stop, like... And after sh- seeing all those shows, I was like, wait, like uh, um, for spring, you know, I'm like uh, the abundance of Y2K. I'm like, OK, but what happens with all these brands when everyone moves on? I feel like that happened to Bodhi. Like what? Six to eight months ago, everybody was buying like 
every, I mean, it was like selling out. Like people were buying nine hundred dollar pants, and now like I see nothing about it. You know, like don't talk to me about Bodie. <laughs> He really doesn't like Bodie. Really? This is yeah. my one. I think it's overrated as well, but like Study core essence, core. I thought it was cool for a little while. Right. Like, I mean, listen, else. I think something that Emily has done beautifully is create an aesthetic that is so. Um, shout out to her and all her. Like, there's this one girl in her LV purse, um, just with two bags rolling down Orchard She's Street. She's on her way to whatever hotel has Mr. Purple in it. Exactly. Um, she's going to have a great weekend. She's going to do a lot of TikToks. Um, I hope one of them goes viral. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I don't see it. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, I think something that Emily Abori has done something very special, like very interestingly, is that she sort of crafted this uh, this aesthetic in a sense um, that maybe she was the first, maybe she wasn't. That that's There's a lot of conversation that can be um, had about that. But she's all she's created such an individual sort of little bubble yeah. that is insanely recognizable, yeah. right? Yeah. And with that comes that oh my god, I can't stand it, and it comes with like oh my god, I'm so over it, and it comes that I can't get enough of it. Yeah. It's always going to be a part of it. But there is something to be said about being able to do something like that yeah. today, because when Stan Clothing came, like, came, uh, like when they had like the, um, you know, it was a New York Times profile. I think that was like the first time like everyone sort of like it blew up. You know, you saw it on TikTok and you saw like, you know, this this like guy doing all of these things that look exactly like Bodhi, honestly, yeah. you know, and it's like and Rachel Tashin wrote this article that's very interesting that is titled like the head is um, who owns quilted clothing. Yeah. You know, and I think, again, that opens up a conversation where it's like Emily has created this aesthetic that is so signature now to her that whenever someone does something similar, everyone's like, oh, it looks like Bodhi. Yeah. You know, and it's I think that's what's like for me, that's what's interesting about it. And I do think that. You know, it had its peak yeah. where people were very sort of like, oh, my God, this like it looks. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, people moving into this obsession with um, with craftsmanship and with, yeah. you know, like after all the big conversation with culture appropriation, it was sort of like, OK, like how can we go back to the maker? How can we go yeah. back to like the vintage or whatever? Right. And then Bodhi was right right there. So everyone like sort of gravitated towards it. But now the conversation is not craftsmanship. The conversation yeah. is not about like, oh my God, this gorgeous vintage fabric that I found wherever in the Lower East Side. And now it's a shirt, you know? Yeah. Now the conversation is fashion in the metaverse. Now the conversation <sighs> is, I know, please don't, like, if I ever have, like, I get pitches with the word NFT every single day and I'm like, I don't understand what an NFT is, so I can't write about it. But, you know, That's I think... That's good. Keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I refuse to learn. Um, I went on a date the other day and the guy tried to explain it to me and I was like, I'm done. Um, but <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm good. Um, but the whole thing for me about this is that now the conversation has shifted from sort of that focus on craft yeah. and has shifted into a focus on technology and a focus on sort of this like multiverse, metaverse, um, very techie aspect of things, right? And that's where Demna comes in. That's where... <sighs> A lot of, you know, again, Balenciaga, a lot of even like white project. I think, you know, after the girls are starting to move on from them and Balenciaga in a sense that like, you know, as much as people were buying Rick and now they're buying Balenciaga, I think they're going to move on to Glenn Martin's. Yeah. Um, but and I think that's already actually starting to happen. It's a huge diesel sale right now. I expect that this is going to be like exactly. the count. Like everything is like yeah. 60, 70% off. Exactly. I wanted stuff from it. I, like, Listen, me cool. too. So it's cool. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, but you know, like for me, it's that. Like I think the reason why Body like had its peak and then like you don't see or hear about it as much right now is because the mainstream conversation is not about things yeah. that look like that anymore. Yeah. You know, it's Kim Kardashian in a, in, in a bodysuit or a yeah. catsuit or whatever. 
and enter Mugler as well, yeah. right? That's why Yosa Mugler is so big because the conversation is that. Yeah. So before I forget, we do have a Discord um, for the Pair of Kings podcast, and we ask all of our guests on the guest episodes to give us a word or a phrase, literally anything that proves that you've listened to an episode. Very low barrier of entry to oh join God. the Discord. Do you have a word, a phrase? Uh, you've said pictures. I think Michael's was send a picture of the sleepy time tea bear. <laughs> yeah. So do you have word, phrase, anything that they can send to us if they'd like to join the Discord? I mean, trend core. Trend core. <laughs> there it is. Easy. Core core. Core core. So I had a question, probably using this as a good pivot, but on the sort of runway, uh, you call it like scene or, or um, uh, circuit maybe is mm-hmm. what I'm looking for, does it get exhausting? Like at what point is it sort of you're, you're showing up so that you continue to get invitations and that you're sort of participating and you're being seen there and you know, you're interacting yeah. with the people that are there? And how much is it like I'm there to just see the clothes and then go? So I'm actually relatively new to um, going to shows, actually. So my first big season going to shows and not working shows, as in like backstage, Mm -hmm. was last September in New York, right? Um, And then, (laughs) but already then, I was like, you know, that that season I did so much. I did every, every single show I could get into and I got invited to, I went to. It doesn't matter what it was. It doesn't matter where it is. I was there. And a big part of it, I wasn't even covering most of them. Like, you know, like I was getting paid um, to cover a few of them for different publications, but a lot of them was just me going because I wanted to go. And as mm-hmm. you said, like get invited the next season and just, you know, be, be seen and just be a part of like, hey, like I did something and now I'm here, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever. Um, a lot of it, in my like from my end, was about validation. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But then in February, for example, um, for the shows, I was like, fuck this. You know, I was like, I, I was covering a few of them. So I went to the ones I was heavily covering. I was interesting in, interested in a few of them that I was very excited about. But then uh, there were a few shows that I didn't go to. And part of it was because, I, you know, like that first September season, I took time off work. Like mm-hmm. I took PTO of um, my former day job to go to the shows. Mm-hmm. And now in February, I was like, I don't even want to do this. You know, I'm not interested because I didn't even want to go to all the shows. So I like went to a few here and there, whatever. And it's because I was exhausted because I was like, I don't, I, after my first season, I was like, oh, I don't need to do all of this. And I was like, you know, there's some shows that I really want to go to. There's some shows that I don't really want to go to. So I don't need to be doing all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really sort of excited about not, about the prospect of maybe not going to all of them, you know, and like not doing too much and like not exhausting myself because the reality is also that you know I, again like i live in brooklyn right so it takes me if you're showing in the upper east side like girl it takes me like a solid 40 minutes to get <laughs> yeah, there yeah. right there's a lot of things i can do in 40 minutes um so like part of me now is like okay like do i really need to be there yeah. yes no um do i really want to be there like are my girlies going you know is it going to be fun etc cetera, etc cetera. so like to an extent um i think a lot of people do get like when you, I think when you do this as a job, mm-hmm. it's not as fun as when you do this sort of just as a guest. Yeah, um, yeah. Or like when the job is the posting, it's it's always, I think, in my opinion, having been on both ends, a little bit easier and a little bit more, because um, there's less pressure to it too. Mm-hmm. It's different when you're going to the show and you have to get home and write about the show um, and publish that before someone else does, right? Yeah. Or it's different when you're going to the show and then you have to take the notes and talk to the designer and like, mm-hmm you know, beg the PR for the images and like do all the things. Now, um, September is going to be my first like season going to shows with Vogue. So like, we'll see. 
um, you know, ask me in a few months um, to see what that feels like because I think the the reaction is going to change as well because it also depends on like which shows I'm assigned to cover and which shows I'm just going to like to be there. You know, I think it's a lot of a lot of things may change, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see. Why are you taking a photo of me? Um, <laughs> are you going to tag me? Um, but sorry, someone's taking a photo of us. Um, hi, friend. Bye, friend. But again, like I think, just trying to act like he didn't do yeah, it. Was, I know. I'm like, I like you're right there. Um, but you know, we should have plugged the pod. Like you know, yeah, like, literally at, have like a sign or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, like again, I think it do, the circuit does can get really exhausted. I can't imagine what it's like to go to the four weeks, like to travel. Yeah. I can't imagine what that's like. I right. can imagine it's insanely exhaustive, exhausting, especially when you have to mm-hmm. recover as well. Um, or again, like, listen, I just interviewed like a bunch of people that do a lot of street style, you know, and between them influencers and stylists. And I'm like, how do you pack for all of that? Like, yeah. you know, and, and it's also like, how do you stay on? Like, yeah. how does your social battery stay on to be photographed all the time, to be meeting people all the time and to be the social person all the time? You know, yeah. those things are really exhausting. So I do think anyone that has to do this for work does get really exhausted yeah. really quickly but again like ask me again in a few months after yeah. my first cool. season truly covering for vogue are you you're not going to paris this week no okay. i'm not um staying put um because there's a lot of things that we're doing from here yeah. anyway so how much like how dependent is writing on actually showing up or can you can you do a lot of what you do just by seeing pictures mm-hmm. this is actually a really good question so like when I first started doing this, um, like on Instagram and, you know, just like on my own personal writing, I, it was always through pictures, right? Because I had mm-hmm. no contacts. I had no way of accessing. I had no access to anything. Um, so it was always about that. It was always just sort of like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, it looks cute from the front of a runway. Um, is there a diesel shot? You know, and stuff like that. Um, and you can get pretty far. Um, mm-hmm. I think... It was it worked for me because my angle covering shows has always been very technical when it comes to the way things are made. Um, so it, was, it it worked for me in a sense because that's what I was focusing on, mm-hmm. right? Um, but obviously, the moment you get access to like show notes, you know, yeah. and like you know what the collection is about, or what the intention is, or what what the fabrics are, why does it like you know, oh, it's supposed to fit like that? Like, was it successful or not? That's part of a different conversation. But like, you get the intention that's the moment you unlock sort of that you get a little bit more um i think there's the conversation changes a bit and you can still maybe do it through photos but now that for example i've been going to like interviewing designers for their resort collections or their um spring collections and i'm you know seeing the collections irl that just really changes everything like it's changed everything in the way i i'm able to write about these things because being able to go see touch, um, play with the weight, you know, like designers are always very excited to show you something first. Yeah. And I think that's there's there's something very important in that conversation where like you walk into a showroom and they're like, so we're going to start here. And then that's the one thing that they really want to talk about for like five minutes. And the rest is like, oh, and that exists, you know, um, I think that seeing the clothes is really important, especially seeing clothes. And I think that's when shows come in or presentations, like seeing the clothes on a person in 360 being able to see the way they fit IRL is it never it's never going to beat the like seeing a photo yeah but you can do a lot from images i think um people like to shit on you know just doing things with no access but doing things with no access has given me all the access yeah. so um i think you can do a lot 
that said, I, I prefer to do it the way I do it now, obviously, um, because it's it's just more fun. And you like being again, having access to seeing the clothes um, is very different because, again, I wish, for example, um, people photograph photos from the back, you know, yeah. so you could see the back of things. Um, but because all of those for me, all of those things are very important. But now, again, like even if you watch the live stream, you're getting you're getting a lot of context from just so from seeing that. So you can do a lot without seeing the clothes in real life. How hesitant are people, uh, you know, writing about runways? Because, you know, like I read runway reviews and mm-hmm. the majority of them are like, I wouldn't say overwhelmingly positive, but there's yeah. always something good. And very rarely do I see like a negative runway mm-hmm. review. Is there anybody who is like, I'd say it like giving it to everybody straight or like having a very like consistent and solid opinion that they are sticking to and like viewing runways through a lens that they could give a bad review? Because, again, like, you know, you see, like, on High Stability or whatever, it's, you know, an intern writing an article and it's, like, the twisted complexity of XYZ or the, yeah. you know, unspoken subtlety. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, the two words and then the, yeah. as I smack my mic. But, <laughs> um, you know, like, is there somebody who has sort of, like, a distinct voice? Will there be – first of all, you also need, like, a bit of gravitas to have a negative review. Period. But is there somebody who is, like, willing to sort of take that step and be like, hey, like, this wasn't good. And, like, I'm willing to put that out in, like, a major publication and sort of, like, you know, not be an asshole, but, like, yeah. I got invited to the show and now I'm going to you know, shit on it. Like, are people scared of not getting – Yeah. The- so I think the first part of that, of what you just said that I'm going to focus on is sure. the gravitas part. I think that's the most important part of it because it takes being a sort of like having a certain figure or sort of like a, having a certain amount of weight um, to be able to go to a show, say something negative and still go next season. Yeah. Right. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is where are you publishing? Yeah. Because not not every publication um, has advertisers. Yeah. Right. And I think people like to fixate a lot on you know like oh it's positive or it's or it's never negative or it's never um whatever but it's also like what what's the bigger picture of like you know what are all like the reality is that if i go to a a preview this season and i don't like the collection and i'm like trash 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 in six months i'm going again right um and then maybe the designer is not going to want to talk to me or say or tell or say that that many things or maybe the designer is not going to like Maybe they're like, no, we actually don't want you to come. You know, I think, you know, keeping those relationships alive is very important. And you don't you don't need to be overwhelmingly positive to keep a relationship alive. There's more than one way of saying things. And I think a good writer can can recognize that there's more like a good writer knows that there's more than one way of saying things. And it's up to the reader to know how to read that. You know, I think. That's that's a one part of your answer. But on the other end, I think someone like Kathy Horan, for example, you know, I, I grew up reading Kathy. I still read Kathy every single time. And Kathy will, will, will give it to the girls the way it is. You know, like she and her, her voice has always been very fair, has always been very honest. Um, Rachel Tashin is another person that I think is also very fair and very honest and very precise mm-hmm. um, in the way she talks about clothes. Um, but I think, for example, specifically with Kathy, like, Kathy Horn writes for The Cut right now, right? Yeah. The same way Vanessa Freeman writes at The New York Times and Robin Givon um, writes at The Washington Post. These newspapers don't have 17 pages of glossy advertising yeah. by um, luxury brands. Yeah. You know, so their relationship is different. Yeah. You you want them at your show because you want to hear what they have to say. You know, that's, that's a different conversation than, um, you know, th- I think there's levels off to reviews and criticism. Yeah. 
But um, to answer your question, I think Kathy, for example, is always going to be a sort of like um, beacon of criticism for me because she's 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 always very honest and she's yeah. always very precise with with what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but I think it takes a certain amount of time to build up to that. Yeah. Not everyone can do that. And, you know, it's it's fine. I think on the other end, you see a lot of Instagram where it's like, this is trash, this is trash, this is trash. And it's like, but why? Yeah. You know, you're not telling yeah. me why. You're just saying it's ugly. But well, people want to say something to a contrary and exactly. like get a, you know, I, I feel like that's a lot of journalism. You either mm-hmm. sort of are trying to get into the fold by only saying like overwhelmingly positive and yeah. like, you know, I'm an intern, I want to get invited to a show, like it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I'm just only going to sing their praises. Yeah. Or like, I'm going to try and get, you know, 175 people to comment on this. Like, you know, Rick Owens is a fucking idiot. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. let it go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think that's a reality, right? Like a lot of people, especially on social media, like, and it happens to me all the time when I post something and, I, and I'm like, oh, I really love this. I get like so many DMs of like, oh, are you sure this sucks? Like, or like, oh no. And like people just want to say the, just want to be contrarian. I'm like, yeah. why do you not like this? And there's never an answer. There's, that's unfair. There's seldom an answer, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think the reality is that like, I like this or I don't like this is not a review or commentary or criticism. It's mm-hmm. just personal sort of, you know, it's, there's, it's, it's valuable in the term, and, but it's based on taste and it, it, it is biased. You Do you know? think that there are, um, or there is a space where there are fashion critics right now who are, again, like writing for their identity, right? Like you're mm-hmm. queer, right? Uh, are you able to sort of write and say, you know, as somebody who's queer, like this didn't work for me and I'm talking about my experience and how I view it rather than more for like a generalist audience, like this is subjectively good because of X, Y, Z, or subject, you know, didn't work because of X, Y, Z, or just say like, hey, like, uh, I understand the subculture, like mm-hmm. I've been engrossed in it, um, this is why specifically it didn't work um, through this lens. Like, are, yeah. are fashion publications looking for that specific lens when they hire writers? Are they hiring good writers who can sort of articulate more generally about why something is good or why something doesn't work? I mean, I would say, I would say both, and I okay. think, I mean, coming from not as a writer, but as a reader, mm-hmm. in my opinion, as a reader, a good writer should be able to do both. Yeah. You know, you should be able to be a queer person covering a show that's focused on queerness yeah. and comment on why, like, where does it, where, the, where does the show, where does the show find its inspiration? What is it borrowing from? Yeah. Does it work? Is it successful? Um, but at the same time, you should be able to review a collection that has absolutely nothing to do with of you. Of course. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I think, and I think right now, um, fashion commentary and fashion writing has diversified so much mm-hmm. that there is a lot of value within um, these voices that are yeah. that are that are have their own niches. Yeah. Um, so I I do think that publications right now are looking for that and are hiring for that. And um, I think that, for example, me going to Vogue Runway says says that. Yeah. Because exactly. I, I write a lot about queerness. Like yeah. I, I, my quote unquote beat, if you want to call it that, is that is, you know, queerness as a subculture, queerness as culture. And I write a lot about the Internet. I write a lot about like digital shit, like right mm-hmm. not NFTs, but I'm saying like <laughs> Internet, like I'm like TikTok and Instagram, I'm Twitter, you know, like let's not go too far. Um, but again, like that's sort of my perspective. Right. But and me for me to be hired and hey, like, hey, like, I want you to be here to to be able to write about those things, mm-hmm. but also to be able to write about things that have nothing to do with that. Yeah. You know, again, like some of the resort collections that I visit that that I've reviewed have absolutely nothing to do with um, with my my identity. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I 
can't cover them. I, I hope so. <laughs> um, you know, um, but I, I do think publications are very much interested in, you know, like who are these voices that are very good at one thing, like yeah. very specific, you know, um, that have their own um, niches that ha- can be very esoteric in the way they cover something or that, again, you're saying like, you know, like whoever, whoever was inspired by ballroom culture, like, you know, or like I can write about that. Like, you yeah, know, I specifically can't, for example, from a from a first point of view, because I've never been in a ball or I've never gone to a ball. But there's someone that can. Yeah. Right. And I think, again, that applies to many things from Y2K and Indies Lees all the way to like queerness, blackness and everything that's intersectional. Yeah. Right. Do you do you have a TikTok? Do you have to like maintain a TikTok to be like? <laughs> um, so I do have a TikTok. Um, I don't post on TikTok. I I've tried. I I'm not <laughs> like no me saying. Um, you know, it's I'm not good at it. I think my thing with TikTok is that it just whenever I try to post, it just took me forever. Mm. Um, and what what I like about Instagram and Instagram stories specifically is the immediacy of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm on the train, I'm on the subway, I'm on my way here and I just, I see something, I post something and then I move on, you know, and it just exists mm-hmm. for 24 hours and if I want it to become a thing, I make it a highlight or post it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok for me, like I haven't found a way of making it natural for me yeah. in a sense that I can organically just create something and post it and then it just exists. Like I haven't unlocked that. I would love to, I don't, I don't know if I have it in me um to be determined but i i am on tiktok a lot okay you know but what's funny about tiktok is that i block a lot of fashion stuff i don't i tiktok for me is a space of comedy stupidness and hot people yeah so it's escape exactly you don't need it to to like stay relevant i guess which is like a i hope so (laughs) (laughs) we'll see i i know some people in fashion tiktok who spend their entire day is like dming people on instagram and like hounding them and like trying to make connections and like get in or like oh like this person now follows me but like what you don't see is them dming them like 18 times like give me your stuff give me your stuff give me your stuff give me your stuff um and it's a weird i'd say almost more so than instagram because you have like your own personality and you talk and like you wear things and you're sort of like on a stage Mm -hmm. like it's not voluntary for people to come across your content it's very much just random and that like race to be cool and have like social clout is so much more prevalent, but I didn't understand it. And I was in a group chat and there are people who are like, I'd say like working at it for like 11 hours a day. I'm like, dude, like I'm on my couch and I just make a stupid video. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. you know, I hate Bushwick. Ha ha ha. But that's, for example, Send. why I haven't blocked you guys on TikTok. Let's go. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's go. Um, because I'm still so entertained by it. I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking funny. And it's true. You know, but that for me, like that's the kind of content I consume. Yeah. You know, because I can't, like, there's a lot of, I, I, like, again, like, for me, TikTok as a platform, where the value is in the platform as a consumer is yeah. in that authenticity. Yeah. And I the, can't, the I moment, can't do another, like, haul video. I can't do another, like, TikTok much. beef. I'm just, like, stop. Like, I don't care. But the problem is you watch it. Yeah. Like, you end up consuming it. It's, like, those 15 minutes of me tracing a beef about a guy doing sit-ups. Exactly. Did you yeah. see this? No. No, thank you. I don't. I'm sure I'm going to see it now, oh though. God. Yeah, it hears you. I have the app. Delete like it's on my phone, but not visible. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so that when people send me videos, I can watch you them. Can watch mm-hmm. But I have never once scrolled. Okay, through Not a single a, video for you. Yeah. Um, I used to be that person, that and then I just. I'll um, tell you the secret to keeping yourself off of TikTok, and I adhere to this: is if I spend more than fifteen minutes, I have to make a video. And sometimes I'll get to like thirteen minutes. I'm like, fuck, I can't do this today. I just like swipe out of it. Um, 
but it's brutal. Like it's just it's 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 so good at like taking your attention. Mm-hmm. Just like you're really good at making them though. Yeah, I, it's it's all so talks. quick. I, I I'm gonna be completely honest. Usually, I, like my for you page is very random, and it'll be somebody like sort of making the same joke. Mm-hmm. Like the sound will come up, and it's that joke yeah. and that sound. I'll just be like, okay, yeah, you can make this for fashion. Out, like, yeah, yeah. And I've been open. Like people have been like, oh, you've stolen this idea. I'm like, yeah, I did. Like it's TikTok. There's their ad. Go yeah. crazy for them. Like, yeah. I don't. Uh, I I do really. I can't stand the like high. I think I think low effort is. So much better. But there, I again, On there are TikTok, some people who do is. high effort, and it's really cool. Like yeah. I, I stood by this. Uh, do you know Julian um, um, Carter? His last name. No, like very so. much. Like oh, wait. makes all of his own clothes. Super cool kid. Um, also incredibly sweet. But like high effort. He spends a lot of time making his videos. But he's mm-hmm. great guy. Really nice. Oh wait, yeah. Very I, genuine. I I just met this guy the other day because he posted a picture of me. What? He found a he found a picture I took in like sophomore year of college in my like school bathroom wearing um, like a really basic Rick outfit not sophomore year interesting okay must have been my senior year and and he posted it and said that like like basically the way shorts are going we're gonna start looking like yeah, this again okay. soon yeah. and I started mm-hmm. talking to him about like kind of a lot of what we're talking he's about he's a really nice really guy really nice yeah. so nice um, there are other people who are just like I cannot participate within that community like that much because they're so like hungry yes. like it, it's just like re- like relax like I can't keep up with this and I don't know like I was a student and I was you know at work and things like that but I just I don't have the mental capacity to think about TikTok that much and it, it to, yeah. to really get big you need to like eat you breathe, need to be shit I've yeah. talked to people they're like yeah you have to post like four or five times a day I'm like I, I will do that much. to just like clear my drafts I'll just be like okay like here's eight stupid videos in a day and I'll archive all of them by the end because none of them do well but I, I, I oh my god it, it takes like a different way of thinking it's obsessive can I have access to the, the yeah. pair of things archived now that I'm oh uh, yeah the, the <laughs> now that friends, I'm an friends host. only yeah oh there is a friends only yeah, well, I make them all like only me, but if you want to go look at the only me's, they're they're grim, like some of them. Yeah, absolutely. God, I want to see the to failures. Own. I do not care about the successes. So the something somebody told me, and I, I don't know if this works or not, but they're like, if you want your stuff to keep appearing on the For You page, you need to post at least twice a day. Even if you just post something, leave it up for two minutes, and then make it only, only me. Interesting. Like, and so there's so many ones of like, somewhat shamefully, like me on the toilet just being like, all right, this is my video for the day. Like, You're post like, I'm only here, me. present. Yeah, literally. It's like logging into Blackboard. It's the yeah. algorithm game. Um, yep. Well, it's interesting because I used to make TikToks for ID yeah. um, for some pieces. Like, whenever I would write something and they would be like, oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, can you make a TikTok for this? Um, I'd be like, sure. And like, but those took me so long. Oh, yeah. And it was so funny because like sometimes like <laughs> I would send them to like the social media manager who's really fucking cool. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I need your approval, please. You know, and she'd be like, it's too long. And I'm like, oh, my God, but I do want to speak for about Tank Talks for three minutes. You know, yeah. what do we do now? But it would take me like an hour. Um, so I would dread that. Honestly, I would I would. You know, ID guy, I love you guys, but I, I hated doing TikToks yeah, for you. Yeah. But they did really well. Really? And so, yeah. And then mm. from then, well, really well in my numbers. I don't know about, like, you know, <laughs> in, my, in my, again, I'm delusional. So in my head, it all was perfect. Um, but because of that, some people on Instagram would DM and be like, hey, like, you should do this all the time on TikTok. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think I have the bandwidth. Yeah. And I think if I ever have, like, a TikTok where I post shit, like, it would be like, it or it would be the stupidest shit in the world like i don't think i could do fashion content on tiktok i yeah. think 
I think it's too much. I'm too close to it. So you, you both of you remember like PAQ, right? Like the the pair men's of wear queens? show. No, uh, <laughs> that's exactly where my I was like pair of queens. Uh, the the men's wear show with four dudes on Kyra. What? It no. ran for like five years. I I definitely know PAQ. Regardless, but. Yeah. It was like a weekly show, and they'd go and they'd like, oh, like we have to put together outfits for twenty dollars, and they'd run mm-hmm. around all the thrift stores and like put together outfits. But on TikTok, you're posting like a daily outfit, and people consume so many but clothes. Can we talk about the fact that they're not good? Oh my god, they're terrible. They're <laughs> so I, bad. I posted this they one Instagram so story much, the other yeah. day about how much they suck, and I see, you know, I see a lot of. And the reason why they're on my For You page is because they're hot, and there's a lot of hot people on my For You page, but I still block them. Um, I'm honored that I've gotten on your For You page. It's hot. Let's go. But um, it's interesting because for me, um, it's always like all of these like fit videos. It's you know, it's either a tank top or like a random T-shirt. Um, it's um, Patagonia. What are they like? Chubbies? Baggies. 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 Or the the five hundred ones. Yes. And what else? I don't know. Um, there's, it's always like that as a fit. Yeah. And the girls are gaggy. I was like, oh my god, this is such a good fit. I'm like, no, you yeah, can because you look sexy. Yeah, it's you not can an just outfit. you can just say that the biceps look good. Like yeah. I promise, yeah. you can just make a compliment without lying. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> famous last words. But um, I like it just drives me insane. Where I'm like, the delusion is so real here, and it's like there's more confidence every time either like one of these men like post another fit up video where i'm like this is not like no it's not someone good. Yeah. lied to her several times like it's really it's just really i'm bad. gonna start making like tiktoks about like fashion history which is lying i'm not gonna look anything up i'm just gonna well that's what people up. do yeah, yeah. no <laughs> they do it and they present it as real information so i saw what was this oh my god there was this i think there was a tiktok like that went viral on twitter like a few like on high fashion twitter like a few months ago yeah that it was something like um um, it was like, oh, um, 90s, no, what is it? Um, emerging designers, you should know, and Mugler was on it. <laughs> and when emerging I Emerging from you, what? I was, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm, I'm very rarely left with no words. I was just gagged. I was like, I'm, you know, and I'm like, how do you, like, it was like Coperni and like Moalola and like, Mugler. And I'm like, maybe like put Casey on, like the designer, but not even because Casey has been working in the industry for like, I don't know, like 14 years. <laughs> I'm like, this is, and again, it's just that, like the girls are not necessarily doing the research before posting. Mm. I'm like, Google before post, like that was a big Tumblr thing. Well, I I'm just like, heard about it, so. You know, yeah. but that's also the thing. Like, the something that's very interesting about TikTok is that the way people engage, like, the way I see that people post on TikTok, a lot of people at least, is that it's their version of reality, right? Yeah. So it's like, this is emerging. This is new to me. Yeah. So I'm showing it to you as new. Which, there's something interesting about that, but I'm like, the moment where it becomes a lie, <laughs> I'm like, it's new. You could say, designers are just discovered. I mean, yeah. it's all about copy editing. Lying is so fun, you know? Yeah, lying, lying is, is insanely fun. Yeah. It's, lying is really fun. Yeah. Um, I used to just... It's funny because whenever I like lie on Instagram just to like make a joke, you know, say I have get like a hundred DMs, twenty are like, oh my god, they're so fucking funny, and like they get the joke and yeah. it's just funny, and then eighty yeah. are like, are you 
really and it and then it's me having to like copy paste the same dm of like no this is actually a joke or like you know there's that one video of that of that girl um saying hi gay happy pride this part whatever and i post like i post like hi gay every day <laughs> yeah but the first time i posted that video someone replied to me um oh no it was this my friend has been doing like all over pride month has been doing like jokes of um you know, being a lesbian is hard, especially once you want to want whatever, whatever. So this pride, I've collaborated, I partnered with Home Depot or some shit like that. <laughs> and I great. posted it and I was like, this is so fucking funny. And someone replied to me and was like, well, you know, Home Depot has um, donated to like um, Republican and homophobic. And I'm like, That's I'm, I'm yeah. like, <laughs> literally missed the joke. Yeah. Um, and me having to explain this. And like, it happens to me all the time. And, may, you know, maybe I shouldn't necessarily reply, but I, I yeah. do try to reply to every DM. But yeah, lying is fun. But it does come back to life. I have to do so much damage control on what I think are really, really blatant jokes that I've kind of stopped doing as many jokes. I have become less funny. Me too. That's what I keep saying. I'm like, now that I have to actually think about the, about things that I post, I become less funny. Um, it's interesting because, you know, when, when I had like 3,000 followers and I was starting off, I was like, I, I, I think I was hilarious. Um, again, the delusion. Um, but I like I thought I was funnier then because there was very like no one was looking at this. Yeah, you know, like no. my friends and like friends adjacent, like people like my friends of friends that had like followed me, but there was no like no one, no PR girl, no um, designer, no one was looking at this stuff. So like it was just funnier. But now because I wasn't thinking about it, I was just like yeah, posting. And now that like. I have to think about things before they go on into the world and I have to think about like, you know, am I going to get like an email about this, you know, or someone going to like DM me and like, you know, someone going to yell at me. <laughs> like now I'm like, okay, never mind. And yeah. I think I'm less funny now, which yeah. is really sad. The nice thing about having the podcast be like, you know, like that's where I can sort of make jokes. But then mm -hmm. like my main account is just like stupid pictures. <laughs> And I did which this thing love. where I posted an outfit on TikTok every day of the month, which is so fucking hard. Especially it's to like, so hard. like some of them I was just like, yeah, like I wear the same thing three days in a row. <laughs> and like, that's just what I do. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's, that's me. But I don't want to do that. And so I would I mean, go and like put an outfit on. And there are people DMing me on my personal account, which means they went from the podcast TikTok to the right. Instagram, found me, and then took the time to DM me. And they're like, you dress like shit. Kill yourself. It's like, yeah. first of all. You took like 15 minutes to go find this. You're like, you have better Relax. things to do. And yeah. then second of all, they're like, you dress like shit on your main profile too. It's like, dude, I'm a college kid. I'm not trying to be <laughs> yeah. like, a, like a runway model. Like I'm going to post a stupid fisheye picture of me and my dog in the outfit I wore to class. Like, shut up. And it's also like, you're not saying that the outfit is... Yeah. No, it's like, what I wore. Exactly. What did you wear you know, today? Like, this is what I wore. Because that's also the thing. Like my problem with these like fit videos of these like um, kids is that they post the fit like it's the ultimate fit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't like that because that's a lie. Yeah. You know, I'm like, when you just post the fit because you're like, hey, this is what I wore today. I think that's wholesome. And yeah. I just, I like it. You know, but like again, like for me, it's, I don't know. There's something about um, people like on social media that just love to track you down and like, I don't know. I I, I, people. I don't open my message requests anymore. There are people I used to all the time, who, like, and now I'm scared. If you try anything that's sort of like breaking the mold, like again, Julian, he posted a video. He's like, oh, I kind of like the look of like heeled boots and track pants, mm -hmm. you know, like Adidas track pants. And I was like, that is kind of a cool idea. So like one of the yeah. days I put on like needles, HD track pants mm -hmm. and like tabby boots. And somebody was like, Every day of this thing has been a miss, and this one was the fucking worst. Kill yourself, 
take a break from TikTok, delete your account. I'm like, first of all, relax. Like, they're close, and I'm trying something. Chill. And then, like, half of the other people, it was crazy. People came to my defense. They're just like, no, this is incredible. I'm like, I don't even think it was that good, to be honest. And I think that's, so again, like, one of the main, (laughs) this couple has been walking, like, up and down the street. Have they? Yeah. They're looking for Mr. Purple. Period. They're looking for me. I'm here. Um, No, I think (laughs) what's been funny about, like, um, the TikTok terrifies me because of the comments. Because I think comments on TikTok are the definition of missing the point. Oh, yeah. You know, oh like, God. you post something. And I, I posted one video, like, I think, like, a little bit over a year ago. Yeah. It's deleted now. <laughs> um, but it had, like, 20,000 views. So it wasn't, like, amazing. But it was about, you know, um, I don't even remember. I think um, Selena Gomez was on the cover of Elle magazine um, sure. last year. And it was um, uh, an issue dedicated to Latinx. Sure. Right. Um, and I posted and I was talking about it a little bit. And in the comments, like there was no single comment about what I had said. Yeah. It was just people fighting about Selena Gomez. Mm. T- TikTok and is more vicious than anything. It was insane. And yeah. that's why it went like it had 20,000 views because yeah. people were just trying to fight about yeah. this woman. And I'm like, what are we what, <laughs> what are we what are we trying to do? You know, and my thing was always like, there's always better things to do. Yeah. There was, like, any time I've ever, like, shown up on TikTok versus, like, anywhere. Like, there was, like, something about me that got posted on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And the comments were so, like, nice. It was about, like, me and, like, Rick Owens and whatever. But, like, it went over to TikTok and people make all these crazy assumptions about, like, yes. like they read this, like, you know, three second blurb and they're like that is all this guy has going for him that's his entire life mm-hmm. he's a piece of shit I hate him <laughs> like it's just like there's no there's no nuance there's no, yeah there's yeah. no willingness to accept that people are more than just the like 10 second video mm-hmm. you just watched about them <sighs> yeah god it's hard it's, yeah. it's just so it's brutal I have had a lot of people come into my DMs and like tell me how terrible I dress and I just try my best. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> I dress like shit. Um, and they, they come in and like try to, they, they do that. And then I, I usually just talk to those people in like a really normal way. Yeah. Like I just start having like a normal conversation with them. And I've turned a lot of those people into like friends. Like I any, love I've, doing I've, that. I've had a lot of people come, like this one specific guy came and like told me how he was, you know, he did the like, what are your pronouns? And I was like, he, him. And he's like, good, because I want to ask what the fuck is up with this. <laughs> you know, like one of those like Twitter jokes. And I was like, oh, I saw that one on Twitter. And then we just like, he just like kept trying to insult me. And I usually um, insult myself just slightly worse. Mm, yeah. Okay. Until eventually it turns into like a funny conversation and you're telling jokes and you're talking about like, just your life. Yeah. It's nice. It's wholesome. I love I love the people who talk shit. Probably yeah. more than I like the people who um like ask me how to size geo baskets. <laughs> no offense to the people who ask me how geo baskets fit. <laughs> True to size, by the way. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Answering the questions people want to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, how is sizing on random identities booth? Oh yeah, good question. True to size. But they don't sell them anymore. The, oh, um, they stopped selling them. You're the right. The Essence sale, yeah, because Essence so does that. Them. Like, they don't, they don't like 
offload to Ukes. Mm-hmm. So every six months, random identities reappears on Essence. So currently, because it's Essence sale season, you can still get some of it again. And I ran back looking for the pair of their pants that I really want. Oh. They're gone. I still remember like the golden age right at the start of the... Not like the golden age. Everybody was like nostalgic and like mm-hmm. horny in their bedrooms at the start of the pandemic. But when I'm everybody always. had like just gotten their stimulus checks and everybody yeah. was like, fuck Wait, it. I'm gonna essence sale? Immediately the essence sale. Me. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, what? Like there were some good brands that got a ton of like... I think random identities really mm-hmm. blew up because all of it was on like sixty percent sale, yeah. which on essence is like off essence is what fifteen percent because mm-hmm. they just you know yeah. claim it. But you know like brands had huge days because yeah. of that, and yeah. it was kind of cool. Like I feel like um, what was the other one that blew up because of essence right around uh, the pandemic? Um, oh, I'm gonna have to look at the list. But regardless, like oh uh, Dublay as well. Mm, That's yes. how a lot of people found Dublay, but. Um, it was just ridiculous. Like, you know, everybody just had so much money. They were just on their computers all day or on mm-hmm. Tinder or on Instagram. And then with $1,400, it was like, what can I buy with $1,400? Just on Tinder with $1,400. What else you can do? Yeah. God, it was a dark time. Yeah. That was a really weird time. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> In retrospective, it was very, yeah. That's when I downloaded TikTok. Yeah. Oh, God. Ugh. <laughs> so we've got one last question before we wrap up. Yeah. It's we've asked this of every guest. Mm-hmm. It is it is uh, mandatory to, to bring you into the fold of Pair of Kings podcast guests. Um, so without further ado, Jose, if you had one year to eat a wooden door, hinges and doorknob included, could okay. you do it? And if so, how? Interesting. Um, you can do anything you'd like to the door and the hinges and the doorknob. Could I do it? I think I could do it. But again, maybe this is the delusion kicking in. Um, You know, maybe that's like the common thread of this episode. Um, I think I could do it. I think I would enjoy the the wood more than everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But exactly. No one's ever talked about which part they would like the most. I mean, listen, I think you can do a lot of things to wood. Um, And also, I I feel like I've had like worse things in my mouth. (laughs) You know, you can take that however you would like. Um, so I think I could do it. Bruh. <laughs> um, you know, but I really think I could do it. Um, you know, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Yeah, that's the correct That's answer. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, we've also got, I guess, oh, I, I'm actually just realizing. So we do also Song of the Week, something you've been listening to and enjoying. Um, we can actually, I guess, play a snippet. I'll play like 15 seconds so you don't get like DMCA'd or whatever the Period. podcast equivalent is. But do you have like a song of the week, something you've been listening to, enjoying? Um, we oh add these God. all to a playlist called, it's called Pair of Kings, colon Pair of Kings, but all the eyes are sevens. Period. Yes, it's hard to find. This is actually very dark and very sad. Okay. Um, and it made me feel really old. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of Summertime Sadness this week. That's a good oh, song. Because yeah. it turns 10 years old in four days. Not just song. Does it actually? Yeah. Oh God. The song came out ten years ago, June twenty second. Can I play this? It's like a like a snippet. Let's see. What is this remix? This is the oh, uh, this is the the popular remix, the one that got all the radio play. Yeah. Wait, Uh, could you hear that? Was that that the one you want, or do you want the the original? I mean, I listen to the original because that's the the one that's turning ten years old. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I've been really going down a rabbit hole, like while all these things are. 
a decade plus old, which means I am old. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I was actually trying to see if I would write like an ode to summertime sadness, but I don't think I have enough time to like get it up by the twenty second. Um, sorry to my boss, but yeah, um, it's wild to me because I remember when it came out, and I yeah. think Lana Del Rey and summertime sadness, and um, you know, born to die, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, defined a big portion of the Tumblr aesthetic. Mm. It's a good song. It's really good. That exactly. whole album is... That album is insane. Perfect. She fell off a little bit, right? I mean, she kind of like became weird and a little bit kooky. I think she went too mainstream and then became... I think she became... Like, after Normal Fucking Rockwell, which was like, for me, is like her Magnus album. Like, it's like the best yeah, it album a great in the album. world. Um, after that, I think she was like, you know what? Like, fuck this. Like, I already did this. I already did the thing. And now I'm just going to be the person that I've always been. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are not necessarily resonating with that. Period. And I'm like, you know, and she, and she dated she dated the cop. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I remember that. You know, and after that, people were like, um, but at the same time, like, girl, go off. Like, <laughs> I'm making you millions just by streaming Summertime Sadness. Yeah. Um, so you're fine, yeah, <laughs> you know. Being her true, authentic and I self think now. My main period, and my main thing about like celebrities, especially pop stars, especially female pop stars, I'm like, we ask a lot from them, and we mm-hmm. want them to be cool and um, it forever, and yeah. no one can be the it girl forever, yeah. except for Chloe Sevigny. But that's a different <laughs> story. Michael, um, what's your what's your song of the week? Uh, going off of summer anthems I am going to do I know there's gonna be parentheses good times oh that is a good oh, song wow. good song done. I've been the Jamie XX yeah Jamie XX Young Thug Pop Can hold on let me see if I can I can give us a, a taste almost wanted to put a new Drake song on there just to spite you <laughs> yeah I, I really don't like the new Drake album just cause all the all the decent songs are two minutes long and all the the bad ones are like five and a half mm-hmm. but then also like my girlfriend put it very astutely she said that like I'm gonna turn this down just a touch. But um, Drake, like house music with Drake especially, is like you're in a club, a guy comes up to you, he's too drunk, and he starts like whispering in your ear, and you get like a little nauseous. Like that's Drake. But she says that about all of his music. And so, like, what song came up in the car? Um, uh, Oh, the one with Michael Jackson, Don't Matter to Me or whatever. Mm -hmm. She was like, This is making me nauseous and like making me feel like I'm about to get like inappropriately groped by somebody like please well, turn this off you can like as soon as you said that I can smell the breath of that person exactly right yeah. it's like, like a little hot it's yeah. like you can feel how like moist they are yeah no, absolutely okay well it's so funny I've been seeing so many tweets about Drake's new album I haven't listened to it yet but I've been seeing so many tweets about Drake's new album and obviously so much of my social media is queer so I've been seeing a lot of like voguing to like, oh my god, has Drake been voguing? Or like a lot of like limp wrist jokes. Some of them well, are funny. Drake has all those Some like limp wrist, like yeah. like you know, like the BBL Drake. Exactly. Uh, yeah, BBL you know, Drake. and again, like some of them are really fucking funny, and yeah. some of them are kind of homophobic. But you know, I can be homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't be homophobic. Yeah. Well, it depends. <laughs> Maybe you can. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll do but again, like I think some of these jokes are really fucking funny. There's this party called Poppy Juice. Shout okay. out to Poppy Juice. Um, and it's this queer uh, people of color um, party in that always happens in New York. Um, and one of my friends tweeted, um, "Why is why is Drake making music for Pappy Juice?" <laughs> and like, I it blew my mind. And the funniest part is that the Pappy Juice DJ then reposted it and was like, "Period." <laughs> you know, and Somebody there's a Pappy Juice this Saturday for so like the gays in Mykonos. No, but he is. <laughs> and you know what? He'll make so much money out of that because again, to. <laughs> 
that yeah. circuit of gays has so much money. Yeah. Um, so you know what? Go off. Like you better work, Queen. Um, and <laughs> that's all I have to say. Yeah. All right. So I've got a song that's not a yeah, what's your song? summer anthem. It's uh, "If Your Girl Only Knew" by Aaliyah. Oh, period. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know why, but a friend sent me the song and I like remembered it existed. Mm-hmm. And I keep this playlist on my phone that's like songs I really like but I forgot about. I like that. Um, so wait, what are some of the other ones on there? Um, uh, Calabria 2008. Interesting. Uh, Truffle oh. Butter. It's all coming back to me now. Uh, Love Song by Sarah Bareilles. Wow. Like yes. stuff, stuff I listened to when I was like, what, like eight years old. Yeah. And I was like, this is stored like back in my brain. But wow. I just completely forgot about it. I really like keeping a playlist of um, songs that I hear at bars that sound like different songs. Have <laughs> you ever at a bar and yep. you hear a song playing and you're like, this is really good, what is this? And then you realize it's like, it's not. It's a song you've listened to like hundreds of times. And then no. you know, oh, this happens to me a lot. Okay, what's an example? Uh, my, my playlist has, um, Um, I heard Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunnymen. Killing Moon? I haven't heard that song in forever. And also Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. I heard oh, them, God. I heard them okay. in a bar, and I was like, something about this, like, like it, I didn't recognize it for some yeah. reason. Because I think, you know, atmosphere and drunk and whatever... Who, what bar was playing this? That's what I'm. It's that's exactly what I was doing. It's like I'm Mumford really, and Sons. Are you going? Really gonna out myself here? Are you gonna gatekeep? You can gatekeep. It's it was okay. Carmelo's. You should have gatekept. I should have gatekept. <laughs> Look, I haven't been there in years. Don't get me wrong. Allegedly. Like, Allegedly. I haven't been there, not in disguise, in years. Mm, okay. Like what? Big fake let, nose. Yeah. I gotta, and, and like I'm reading a newspaper, but there's holes <laughs> yes. cut in it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry for admitting that. Well, I live like six blocks away, so I can't say too many things. I'm I've never been, to. though. I always walk past it, and I'm like, not this. And yeah, then... you're, you're better off. <laughs> I'm about to move to Bushwick. Um, it's why I am now recording a podcast. <laughs> you have to. So that I can get in. Yeah. Um, it's like part of getting into the Bushwick co-op is yeah. having a podcast. What, what are the, like, what? Barriers to entry to Bushwick. What are what are the, the necessities? I'll tell her back. Okay. Um, Check a podcast. <laughs> um, fuck, what else? Um, a shitty tattoo. Mm. Stick Check. and poke or stick and professionally poke, done? Okay. I don't have a stick and poke, so I'm about to get kicked out. Um, <laughs> Crumbling ketamine addiction. Which I don't have either. Yeah, I don't have that. Um, but yes, I'm very true. Um, what else? Um a lot of these girls don't like deodorant. Oh. Um, oh, I saw the fucking funniest tweet. It was like, stop using that natural deodorant. You smell like shit. Like, go get cancer. Like, you smell like shit. It's actually insane. And I'm like, the thing about natural deodorants is that allegedly your body takes a while to get... I mean, I've never tried it. But apparently, like, your body gets... Sometimes you get used to it. So you yeah. have to be sometime by yourself, which these people don't do. I'm, I'm like, gonna... you go to, like, a, a gay club, like, a, I don't know, go to a Rosemont or wherever in, like, Bushwick, like, wherever the... Rosemont is not in Bushwick but anywhere where gays are like Happy Fun Hideaway or anything or queer people are in Bushwick and it smells I'm gonna really? confess to being a natural deodorant girl but, but see like I use your an body aluminum free one it and it smells really good yeah, well that's basically the like yeah. the, the benchmark of natural I think yeah. I've, I've been doing it for like 
10 years oh. and i oh, started so your body is fine with it now. i started it in the winter oh that's smart that's smart <laughs> so i like See? eased into it okay mm-hmm. but uh, 101. for all i know um i could smell like absolute shit <laughs> the second i start sweating and I don't know, and no one's no one's. Gonna but if be no one's told me. you, yeah. I mean, I think that's more than enough. Maybe because... that just says something about how nice the people I surround myself with are. Pure. I feel like one of the most crushing things you could tell somebody is either your breath smells like shit or you smell like shit. Oh, yeah. And not even in like a like a outspoken way, but like you pull them aside and you're like, hey, like just I'm, by the way, yeah, just by the way, you, know? like, you fucking stink. Like, <laughs> especially when there's nothing that can be done about it. Oh my god. Like, hey, your breath smells like shit. Here's a, here's an Altoid. Yeah. You know, or like, Damn. but when there's nothing that can be done, you're like, I mean, it's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I'm like, wow. But also, what do you do? Like, are you the friend that tell like? Is if your best friend stinks, like do you tell? Them? I've made packs with a few of my friends. I'm like, listen, like if I smell bad, I will not take it personally. It's like an attack on Period. me. Just tell me I smell like shit. I mean, I'm always like, I will take it personally, but also still tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. I'd um, rather know than meet somebody and unknowingly smell like shit, and then in their head, I'm that guy. Too, like... So see, I have. This is why I have like a toothbrush and deodorant and like mm-hmm. <laughs> makeup and a lot of things in the office. Like I basically moved in because I'm like, I refuse like, and there's so many, there's been so many days that I'm like, I have to go to an event or something after that. And I refuse to like, I just don't want to be like, I'm, I'm so like hyper aware of my social interactions that I do not want to be known as like, mm-hmm. oh, that vulgar girl that smells. It's Fiona. Oh my God. Hello. <laughs> other way yeah hey queen yeah um so yeah i'm always like girl i do not want to be known as that person so no. i do have a lot of things and that's why i carry a fan as well because you know i don't want to be known as a sweaty boat girl either i gotta get a fan a little what's in your telfar <laughs> ketamine ketamine literally, <laughs> literally. my podcasting mic podcasting mic exactly and no deodorant and your stick and poke kit yes exactly welcome to the podcast oh God, fiona yeah come on in there's another mic. Go sit. Oh, I'll turn it on. No. You don't want that. We're really derailing towards the end yeah. of this one. Oh, We're yeah. talking about natural deodorant and how bad people smell. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Oh, I'm Jose. Special guest. Yeah. Welcome to the stage. Um, the biggest stage in fashion. Period. My small menswear podcast. <laughs> Which we're Not even menswear at this point. Lower East Side podcasting studio. Yeah, literally. Ugh. This place is we're only I'm I don't think we'll be able to get this place easily in a couple months because someone's gonna make a TikTok that's like you have to check out this podcasting oh. studio in the Lower East Side. I love the vocal fry. Uh, wait, they were really nice <laughs> though. You can make a recurring time. You can just say like, hey, I'd love this from Tuesdays from four to seven. The TikToks, man. Someone's yeah. gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. Period. The Lower East Side's hottest dive bar is the yeah. podcast studio, the first one. My morning in the Lower East Side. <laughs> first, bad. I went to Kinky's dessert bar. You Yum. have to get the breakfast. Ice Bite cream. me and lick me is fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it? Oh, crazy? it's like pervy themed. Yeah, it? yeah, it's eighteen. Oh, adults only. They check your ID. Do they really? Yeah. You've been to, you've been the to Kinky's store? dessert bar. Well, I haven't, but I get my nails done right there. Oh, okay. And they tell me about it. Mm. Yeah, it's penis waffles. Oh Am I shit! To say oh. That? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've said a lot of things. Yeah. Um, work. Good to know. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Let's wrap it up. Bruh. <laughs>
Thank you so much to everybody for listening. It's been very nice to have you with us on this Thursday. Jose, thank you again for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's been me. an absolute pleasure. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Saul Thompson. I'm joined this week by our guest, Jose. Where can we where can we find you? Where can we read your stuff? Um, well, you can read my stuff on Vogue Wrong Way. Um, period. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is new to me, so it still feels really cool. Um, and then, where else? I mean, my podcast is called Biased um, with Jose Criado Sonsueta, um, which is my name. And then you can find me everywhere at, at El Jose Criales, so E-L and then my name. And that's it. Cool. And also joined by my co-host, Michael Smith. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at underscore Smithstagram. Fiona, where can we find you? Our, our last second guest. <laughs> you can find me at underscore underscore Fiona Loa on Instagram. Mm. Nice. Easy. We love an underscore. Yeah. And this has been the Pair of Kings podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Pair of Kings Pod. You can email us at Pair of Kings Pod at gmail.com. Um, please join the Discord. Message us on Instagram with any questions. Uh, we love all sorts of interaction, whatever it may be. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Take care. And I don't know. I always say like something at the end, but I always forget what I say. So Business as usual, tomfoolery is planned. Oh, yeah. Yep. Business as usual, tomfoolery is planned. I've, I've been out of the game, so. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.